Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you answer prayer. We thank you for angelic assistance. We thank you that we enjoy your generosity. We thank you for the wisdom of Esther in our lives. We thank you for the strategy of Esther that's operating in our lives. We thank you for the favor that was upon Esther upon our lives. We thank you that we can call you Father. And most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children. We pray. And may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. We thank God for this opportunity. We thank God for this chance to have fellowship in His Word, even as we renew our mind. And we are continuing our study on the book of Esther. And as I keep saying, we encourage you to join us. And whatever you learn, let it be your prayer topic for that day, for that week. And we are believing God that by the time we end this study, the favor upon Esther will also be upon us. We pray that by the time we end this study, the heart of Mordecai will be our heart. And we pray that the boldness of Esther and the consciousness in which she lived in will be ours. So tonight you look at the other chapters and Benji will be taking us through those chapters. I think this will be our last but one or last but two. So Benji... Okay, thank you very much, Sam, for this opportunity. We ask the Lord would lighten our understanding tonight. We, about a few weeks ago, we started studying the book of Esther, but so far, chapter one and chapter two. We studied, I believe, we also enjoyed, also enjoyed, but we also trying to apply whatever we learned from the previous days. Uh, today we we'll look at the chapters the book of Esther, uh, chapter 6 and 7. And I pray that by the time we are done this episode, we won't be in our 6 and 7, but we will be able to look at life from the lens of scripture. As we must best understand it, that in the light of God, Lights we see right now, lights. So, from our previous episodes, or let me say from last episode, I just want to touch on a few things before we jump straight into our episode for today. We looked about, or we looked at um, how Esther um, fasted and prayed before she went to seek the face of the king and banqueting that. Sam Hamedon was how we need strategies after we have prayed. It's very important that we pray, but after we end our prayers, you guys must understand that prayer avails much too. Our favorite prayer avails much into the righteous man. So after we have prayed, we know that the Lord is going to give us us now to feel the challenges that we have. And it is our duty to tap into the wisdom of God and know what strategies that we are supposed to use to tackle the problems that we have. So tonight we'll be looking at Esther chapter 6 and then the chapter 7. So I'd like to begin by reading from the book of Esther chapter 6 from the verse 1. I'm reading from the King James Version. So verse 1. He says, on, the night, on that night, the king could not sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Big Thana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door who sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the king said, what honor and dignity had been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, There is nothing done for him, 
And the king said, Who is in the court? Now a man was come into the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king, to hand Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's servant said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. The king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man who the king delighted to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to do honor more than myself? Okay, so just from the preceding verses of Krishna chapter 6, the very first chapter talks about how um, it got to a time that the king asked King Zexis could not sleep, and then he commanded that they should bring unto him a book of the records of the chronicles. So this was more of like a system that the Israelites used to keep their records. Yeah, and it was also a way that they used to pass down some vital and also essential information to the next generation. And just as God commanded Moses to write down the, the Ten Commandments or the Commandments for Israel. So in the same way, it, it was something that the Israelites had been doing and they do this to keep their traditions and things that they ought to know from generation to generation. So that's why we have the book of Chronicles that speaks about um, basically the kings of Israel as their acts and the things that they did. So the Bible, or in this first chapter, the Bible was talking about, sorry, in the first verse, the Bible was talking about how the king could not sleep. And I believe if we take a close look at this very first chapter, I think it's the king not being able to sleep is a ripple effect of the fasting and prayers of Esther, Mordecai, and the Jews. Yeah. Because we know from the previous verses about how Haman had planned to wipe out the entire generation and then Mordecai instructed Esther to fast and pray. He said he's also going to tell the other Jews as well to do likewise. And we see in chapter 6 that all of a sudden the king had no sleep and he moved from the very first chapter about how Esther had found favor in the sight of all that set their eyes upon him. So this brings into play this essential point that prayers are very important in the life of the nation. You don't just get favor because you need favor or because things are not in your life. And I know that once Esther and Mordecai and the Jews began to prayer then first. The ripple effect was what happened to the king. As the king not being able to sleep, not just that, he also commanded that they should bring the book of the Chronicles unto him. And then they read it. And I'm sure that as they began to read the book of the Chronicles, we have, or they had a lot of people who had done a lot of things that have been penned down or that have been written in the book. But it's also strange as to how the king was able to, or the attention of the king was drawn to what Mordecai had done for him. And what Mordecai had done for him, for him was very vital because he had prevented or he gave very vital information to the king about people who were planning to kill him or lay their hands on him. Yeah, so I just want to emphasize on the point as we've learned in the previous chapter that prayers in the life of a believer is very, very important and it should always be the first point of call. And if you've been following carefully our podcast, you know that we have been hammering over this point several times and over and over. And it's sometimes it's it's quite strange as to why and how most believers' prayers are at, should I say, the bottom of our lists when it comes to addressing issues or matters. We always tend to seek help from other sources when we realize that 
they are not working. That is when we just tend to seek out God or look at what prayers can do for us here. But Bible makes us understand that we should pray without season and then pray without season as in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 17. Bible speaking about praying without season is not about just praying all the time, but it has to do with how consistent that we are in our prayers, yes. And also in the Gospels, the book of Mark, Bible speaks of how Jesus Christ rose up a great hour before each morning to seek the face of God or to pray. Yeah, so if even Jesus Christ, who was the son of God, had to always seek the face of God each morning before he set out to do what he had to do, then it's also incumbent on us as believers who are imitating Jesus Christ that prayer becomes a daily necessity in our lives. Because I believe the ripple effect of Esther, Mordecai, and the prayers and their fastings as well was what drew the attention of the king to what Mordecai had done. And then the king also had to request to honor Mordecai for what he had done. As we go, you see how the drama or the story unfolds. It's quite fascinating how God does his things. Yeah, so the key point that I want us to put of this, and the favor that Esther had, it came as a result of the ripple effect of the fastings and then the prayer that they have been engaging. So it's, it holds on us, it tells us the importance of these disciplines in our lives as believers. We cannot do without grace. It's just as simple as that. Just cannot be praised as we get last week. Also, how prayer makes what gives us options. It appeals a lot of things to our lives so that we can use or tap into the wisdom of God He has made available to us. So, prayer is supposed to be first point of call anytime that we are facing or encountering any obstacle or challenge. So, it has to move on. Esther chapter 6, verse 7. It says, And the king, for the man who the king delighted Anna, let the royal apparel be brought, be brought which the king used to wear, and the horse that the king rided upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. And let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man without whom the king delighted and bring him on horseback through the streets of the city and proclaim before him, that shall it be done to the man whom the king delighted. Verse 10, then the king said to Haman, make haste and take the apparel and the horse as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai the Jew, that's it at the king's gate. Let none fail of all that thou hast put. So from chapter, or let me see from verse 3 down to verse 9, you see um, the king speaking with Haman. After the king had discovered that Mordecai had not been rewarded for this great thing that he had done for him, he asked his the right hand man that's Haman, what should be done for such a person. And the king had not revealed the name of who he was intending to honor. So when he asked Haman this question, Haman thought that if the king wants to honor any person, it's not going to be any other person than himself. That's Haman. All that he was wrong. And he began to describe all the things that he has been dreaming about and about the crown that's supposed to be put on the head of that person and then the horse that they can assert on and all of the royal stars that he had in mind, thinking that the king was talking about him. And one thing I want to, I want to grab my on to is that in life we are supposed to allow God to fight our battles for us. We have to allow God to fight our battles for us. But when you look at these uh, verses that we have read, 
her man did not know that everything that he was talking about was going rather to an enemy of himself. When you read the previous verse or from the chapter five, that was speaks about how her man had made some gallows about 70 feet and then he had planned to hang Mordecai on it because Mordecai failed to about him when he came to when he came to the city gates yes as he came to the palace and he came and the king asked of him honoring someone he thought the king was speaking about him but little did he know that the king was speaking about Mordecai and as he finished describing what should be done for happens and the king told him to go and do all that he has said to his own enemy that's Haman. Yes. We can see how this uh, the prayers and fast that they did had a very played a very vital role in making Esther find favor in the sight of the king and not only Esther but also for the car as well. That's more like the book of remembrance being brought to the because it's not just Oh, this is something that Haman had been wanting to say in his whole life, that the king honoring him. But after he had described everything that was supposed to be done, the honor was being given to his very sworn enemy, that's Mordecai. And it is very, very important because if Mordecai and Esther had not to the prayers and fasting, we know that this kind of strange figure would not find them. As God allowing your own enemy to describe the very best or the choices of things that you want to be given to you. Yes, so I just want us to know that in life we have to allow God to fight our battles for us. And when you read in the book of Corinthians, the Bible speaks about, let me try and see if I can get a scripture, that if the devil had known, they would not have crucified the King of Glory. Yeah. So, we know from the Gospels that in the mind of um, the devil or Satan, he was just plotting the death of Jesus Christ and everything according to his plan. He thought everything was going on well, even to the point that Jesus Christ was being crucified and then him dying on the cross. But little did he know that everything that he had planned was actually something that God had already planned on. It was already part of God's plan that Jesus Christ should come and suffer and then die. So Satan even thought that he killing or allowing or using men to kill Jesus Christ would have ended the plans of God. But little did you know that he was just working out God's very own plan. Yeah, so the same applies to what's happening in the book of Esther. America or Haman had plan to wipe out the Jews and then we had even planned to start by killing Mordecai. Um, they had prepared the gallows to hang Mordecai. And little did he know that or we'll get to know in the verses uh, to come that the gallows that he had planned was, was going to be used for his own death. And also the honor that he had wanted the king to honor him was going to go to his own enemy. Yeah. So we just want to draw our minds onto God's actions. And we should allow God to fight our battle for us. We are not supposed to. And we are supposed to trust the class of God. Yes. Well, Bible said that I read in the book of Jeremiah that I know the plan that I have for you. Or I know the plan that I have for to make it possible. And does not give you unexpected pain. Yeah, so it's not like God doesn't know what he's doing or he's trying to guess the incidents of your life. So it's like, let's say, when you get to this point, God doesn't know, God is not trying to fabricate something to help you. God has our lives planned out and everything laid down from the very beginning of our lives to the very end. This has to do right first chapter. Even before you were a clot of blood in your mother's school, I had formed you, I knew you, and I ordained you to be a prophet. So we should just allow God to find a person for us and we should rest in the promises of God. We should trust the plans of God. 
most of the times we look at our circumstances and then our situation and we tend to judge our lives by those things that are happening. And I always think that all things work together for them according to the purposes of God. All things. So even the key word for the emphasis is on all things. So the things can be good things and they work for us. At other times, they are, all, they are going to be bad things and they are still going to work for us. So the circumstances in our situation should not determine how we approach our lives. But we should learn to trust in the plans of God. Learn to trust in the plans of God, yes. So I want us to continue reading. And everything that was happening in from verse 3 to verse 10 was more of like something that David described in his Psalm 24. Said that there is a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So we get to know about this in the uh, ensuing verses. So I'm reading from verse 10. So it says, Then the king said to Haman, Make haste and take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so to but had a Judah seated at the king's gate, let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. Then to command the apparel and the horse, and I read Mordecai and brought him on horseback through the streets of the city, and proclaimed before him, That shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighted to honor. And Mordecai came to the king's gates. But Haman hasted to his house mourning and having his head I'm reading from verse 11. Then took Haman the apparel and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and brought him on horseback through the streets of the city and proclaimed before him, Thus it shall be done unto the man whom the king delighted to honor. And Mordecai came again to the king's gates. But a man hasted to his house mourning and having his head covered. And Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had befallen him. And then said his wise men and Zeresh, his wife, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him. But surely, but shall surely fall before him. And while they were yet talking with him, came the king's chamberlains and he started to bring a man onto the banquet that Esther had. I just want us to note the verse 13. says, Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had befallen him. Then said his wise men and Zeresh, his wife, unto him, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shalt surely fall before him. Let me read from the message Bible. This is, when Haman had finished telling his wife and Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his knowledgeable friends who were there and his wife said, if this Mordecai is in fact a Jew, your bad luck has only begun. You don't stand a chance against him. You are as good as women. So from this scripture, um, we get to note that after Mordecai had been honored by the king and Haman had been in a way disgraced, he went back to his house and he told them what had happened. And then his wife and then his friends began to question him and then ask him. And they also even told him that if Mordecai is indeed a Jew, as we have already established in the previous verses, that they said if he's indeed a Jew, then Haman doesn't stand a chance of fighting against him. So this brings to bear the point about how the Jews or the track record that the Jews have started from the time of Moses uh, when God wanted to deliver um, or how God delivered the Israelites from the land of Egypt. After the Egyptians had pursued the Israelites down to the Red Sea and after everything that happened and the Egyptians drowned, how God opened the Red Sea for them. 
Israelites to pass through on dry land, and then the Egyptians tried to follow suit, but they, they drowned. The Bible makes us understand that the fear of the Israelites fell upon the other nations. And not only that as well, but when they also began to conquer the lands here, when they started with the walls of Jericho, and when they conquered the city of Jericho, I would say that the fear of the Israelites fell upon the neighboring cities or towns. Yeah, so the Israelites had this track record, and people or a lot of nations knew that the God of Israel was a very mighty God. And if indeed you had a fight against the Israelites, or if you had a fight against the Jews, they knew that if it was actually a fight against the Jews, then we are going to fail. We are not going to succeed because of the God that they said. And this makes us also understand or gives us that light that as Christians, as the children of God, we have this advantage on our behalf because God or the creator of the universe is our father. And there's nothing that stands against us that can destroy us. Bible talks about, or in the book of Romans, what was speaking about or asking in a more or was asking a form of a rhetoric question that what can separate us from the love of God. And he made mention of a whole lot of stuff that there's nothing in this world that can separate us from the love of God making us understand that if we are indeed children of God, there is nothing that can stand before us. And I would say that Peter is he that is in us, that he that is in the world. So even from this scripture, the friends of Haman, as well as his wife, were saying that just because Mordecai is a Jew, if he is indeed a Jew, then Haman has even lost the fight before it's begun. And I'm also trying to make us understand this light that if Mordecai won this battle just because he was a Jew, then I'm trying to say that we can win every battle that we go into just because we are the children of God. So we being the children of God put us at that pedestal. The Bible says that we are not, or it doesn't say that we are even conquerors. It says that we are more than conquerors. That stands to reason that anything that we put our hands to, we are even won before we begin. Once we have that understanding that we are the children of God, you know that everything that we go into, we already have victory even before we have begun. Yes, I want this to sink deep down to our mindset that just because Mordecai was a Jew, the friends and then the wife of Haman knew that Haman was certainly going to lose that fight or that battle. And I also want us to draw from this words of scripture that we need to get that understanding that we being the children of God has put us at a certain level that we are more than conquerors and there is no obstacle in this life that we cannot surmount. Once we know and believe and trust in that knowledge that we are the sons of God, certainly what we put our hands into or any endeavor that we get into, we are going to be more than conquerors. We are going to succeed in everything that we do. And I think in some of our previous verses, or I know in some of our previous series, we've made that example about how we would feel if, let's say, our father was Bill Gates or Elon Musk or some of these high-profile personalities. And that alone, even though they are human and they are mortal beings just like us, but having some sort of affiliations with these billionaires or high-profiled men sometimes puts or it in a way can get into our mind because of their level that they have gotten into. So if because we have we have affiliations with certain billionaires or rich people in our lives, it can put us or it can get to our minds and put us into a certain pedestal. How much more we knowing that our Father is the creator of the universe? How much more knowing that our Father is a mighty and an awesome God, for He is the omnipotent God? It is very important that we get to understand this. Even when the cow won that battle in the minds of um, Haman and his friends, for them just knowing that he was a Jew, 
And they are here to tell us that we are not Jews and we are the sons of God and we are more than conquerors. So whatever the Lord, whatever obstacle that we face, whatever challenges we get into, having just that understanding as children of God, we are going to surmount every obstacle that comes into our lives. So I want to continue reading from the chapter 7 of Esther, the verse 1. It says, So the king and Haman went to dinner with Cornesta. At this second dinner, while they were drinking wine, the king again asked Queen Esther, What would you like? Half of my kingdom. Just ask, and it is yours. Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor in your eyes, O king, and if it please the king, give me my life and my people their lives. We've been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed so to be massacred and eaten. If we had just been sold off into slavery, I wouldn't even have brought it up. Our troubles wouldn't have been worth bothering the king over. King Xerxes exploded. Who? Where is he? This is monstrous. An enemy, an adversary. This evil Haman, said Esther. So the beginning verse of Esther chapter 7 talks about the banquet that Esther had prepared. So that from verse 5, Esther had prepared another banquet and then he had invited Xerxes and Haman to this dinner. And as they were at the banquet, the king even asked Queen Esther what he had wanted him to do for her. To the extent that the king was even asking that if even Esther wanted up to half of the kingdom he would have given it to Esther. It's quite fascinating to know that the king was willing to do this to the extent of giving Esther an open favor. Because we saw in, in our very, very first episode about the fast of how large the kingdom of this king was and how it stretched from Ethiopia to India. And so the kingdom was very large and the king was willing to give Esther up to half of it. So we see that the, the prayers and the fasting that Esther, Mordecai, and the Jews engaged in was really yielding a lot of results and stands to reason with us to the fact that these spiritual disciplines are very important in every facet of our lives. So as they were eating and the king asked he brought up the issue that Haman had wanted to massacre the Jews. And this threw the king into indignation because no king would allow his queen to be killed. So I want to continue yeah, from verse 6. He says, an enemy, an adversary, this evil Haman, said Esther, a man was terror stricken before the king, and the king, raging, left his wine and stalked out into the palace garden. A man stood there pleading with Esther for his life. He could see that the king was finished with him and that he was doomed. As the king came back from the palace garden into the banquet hall, a man was groveling at the couch on which Esther reclined. The king ruled out, will he even molest the queen while I'm just around the corner? When the word left the king's mouth, all the blood drained from her man's face. Habona, one of the Enoch's attending the king, spoke up. Look over there. There's the gallows that her man had built for. But who see the king's life. It's right next to her man's house, 70 feet high. The king said, hang him on it. Verse 10, that's the last verse. So Haman was hanged on the very gallows that he had built for Mordecai and the king's hot under cool. So the verse 7 is quite interesting. So after Esther had reported that Haman had planned to kill or wipe out the entire Jewish race, the king was very furious as we saw. And then 
he left the banquet scene into the palace garden. So as he left, Haman was trying to plead with Esther. And the state was saying that Esther was reclining in the couch, more like she was lying in the couch. And Haman, even though he had not intended to lie with Esther, he was pleading for his life. But when the king came back, the posture that Haman had assumed looked as if he was trying to force to lie with Queen Esther. And that is what even added sought injury. The message Bible said, the king wrote out saying, will he even molest the queen while I'm just around? So this is quite interesting because Haman is already having a, a problem that Esther reported to the king. And he was only trying to even apologize. But as he was apologizing, the king came back and his poster that he has assumed seemed or looked as if he was trying to molest Esther. And this is what even made his matters worse. Yeah. So as I had already said, that in his life, we just have to learn to let God fight our battles for us. After they had prayed and then they had fasted, the events that were coming were just... They didn't have to do much. And it was like everything that Haman had planned was just going wayward. And things were just going in the ways of Queen Esther and then Mordecai. Because in, in the previous verse, we have seen that the king had honored Mordecai that Haman thought that Anna was due him. Now we see Haman has made gallows to hang Mordecai on it. And from what you read, we know that Haman was going to be hanged in that house. And even though he was trying to plead for his life here, only for the king to see him in the posture, seeming that he was trying to lie with Esther. Yeah. So I just want to come on one last thing that we are supposed to take note of. That in this life, it's very important that we take heed and we try to be patient in everything that we do. And we need also ask God for the grace to have a good timing of the thing that we do. But first, I want to touch on the patience. So before Esther had fasted and prayed, she had to be patient to know when was the right time she should report her marriage to the king. She organized the banquet for some few or several times, but it was at this time that she, or through the wisdom that God had provided for him, she knew that it was the right time to report to the king. Yeah, he knew that this was the right time to report to the king. So sometimes in life, we don't need to rush in this life. We just need to have a lot of patience when we are dealing with certain things. Because in one thing that I've realized in this life is that when you look at the modern trend of what is going on in our world today, it looks like a lot of people living, yeah, let me say a lot of people and even Christians as well, we, we want to get things in a haste. Because we see someone or maybe your mates driving a car is just after the person of the school, you feel that you are also entitled to drive in a Porsche car. Yeah, maybe because after you complete school, you see your mate having a a six-figure or seven-figure dog, you also think that you are supposed to have the same dog. And because of that, you see maybe some friends that you started with and now they are making it big in this life. Some of them have gone outside of the country. Maybe they are living in Europe and a whole lot and everything is going on well for them. And we feel that we are feeling in life. And because of that, we also tend to do a lot of things in haste. We try to rush and also get the things that we see our friends or our colleagues have here. But this chapter, what we've learned from the verse 7 is making us understand that we need a lot of patience to deal with certain matters in this life. So Esther, prepared the banquet several times before she made the request known on to the king. Yes, and after she made the request known to the king, everything was just falling in line. So yes, as the psalmist said, it's interesting that the lines are falling onto me in pleasant places. Yeah, I have a good heritage. Anytime we seek to have patience in this life, 
things begin to fall in place for us. Yeah. So I just want and people admonish us that we should not be looking at the lives of others. We've learned in our previous or some of our previous series about how we are not supposed to be comparing ourselves and the scripture Corinthians we saw that comparing ourselves with others we become unwise. Anytime we try to compare our lives with the lives of others, we don't we are not wise and we are not acting in a wise manner. So it is in the same way. I just want to remind um, us that we need to have patience in this life. Need to trust in the promises of God. I want to read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 12. The scripture that talks about patience. And we'll be amazed at what patience can do for us in our lives. The book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 12, reading the King James Version, says that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Yes, most of the times we know, or sometimes you may, you may receive prophecies and we know what the will of God is for our lives. But we always, or we always try to sometimes in a way, want to see the will of God done in our own timing neglecting or knowing that God is actually working out things for us, yes. And this picture is trying to make us understand that even though we are not supposed to be slothful, we should be followers of people who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So patience and then faith are very key when it comes to inheriting the promises of God. How to emphasize on patience. Anytime we're able to have patience, anytime we're able to wait on God, we'll be able to inherit the promise of God. Just as Esther and Mordecai, they had patience in the right time. The king was able to honor Mordecai. And also because of the patience that Esther had, yeah, very soon enemy Haman was eliminated from the scene. I also want us to look at scripture in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36 from the verse 35 it says cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward for ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God ye might receive a promise it says for ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, he might receive the promise. So patience is very, very key. It's very essential. It's very vital when it comes to receiving and then inheriting the promises or the will and then the counsel of God for our lives. We tend to resort to rational making things in haste. Anytime we want to force things in our own timings, we will realize that we might lose or we might not be able to inherit the promises of God. We need to have patience and allow God to work in our lives so that His promises for our lives will come to pass. Anytime we're able to have that patience, anytime we're able to wait and seek the face of God, you know that things are going to fall in present places for our lives. So I just want to admonish us from what we have read from the verses and then the verse 7. Now, patience is very key to working and receiving or inheriting the promises of God at the right time. So God is never late when it comes to his promises. I would say that God is not slow when it comes to his promises. Yeah. God doesn't want any of us to, or he doesn't want to lose any soul. That is why he's patient concerning the promise of the second coming. Of Jesus Christ, but God wants us to learn and have patience in all that we do. Let me read the last scripture from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 3, and then verse 4, which also speaks about patience. He says, Knowing this, that the trial of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, 
that he might be perfect and enter wanting nothing. He says that we know that faith works patience. And says, but let patience have her perfect work, that he might be perfect and enter wanting nothing. So patience is even very key for we attaining perfection in our Christian work. So I just want to entreat us that patience is a very important virtue and we shouldn't be looking at our circumstances and our situations. But if we really can indeed want to inherit or want to see the counsel of God in our lives come to pass, then we really need to resort to having patience. We really need to resort to waiting on God. We don't have to try and force things into our lives. You don't need to help God to do what God wants to do for your life. You just have to trust in Him and follow His leadings. As always been saying that, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you just have to play your role as you are being led by the Spirit and then trust God with all patience, knowing that if you have patience, you are certainly going to inherit the promises of God. So I believe we've learned a lot from today's study, from chapter 6 and then verse 7. We talked about how fasting and then prayers are very key in our lives as believers. And we, we, we talked about how the ripple effects of these disciplines led to the king not being able to sleep. And then he went on to honor Mordecai. And also this also led to establishing favor in the sight of the king and the king honoring her request. How the king had to invoke all the letters that Haman had written down and the blood that they had put them to kill or wipe out the entirety of the Jews. Yeah. We also learned how we should allow God to fight our battles for us. Yes. And then we also look at patience and then timing. So I'll leave us with this scripture that is in the book of Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, And let us not be weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I take it again. And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So thank you very much opportunity and God bless us all. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you so much. God bless you so much for this expose. And for tonight, there's so much to even learn from these two chapters. So much. And yet again, I really think the book should be named after Modica. It's quite interesting how Modica as if he could tell what will happen in the future. Sometimes you wonder, for what reason would he tell Esther to conceal her identity? It's as though he knew that something was coming up. And it just lets us know the wisdom of Mordecai. And I pray that God gives all of us Mordecais in our lives. But for tonight, I just want to ask us, do we really believe God's word? Because the timidity among Christians is overwhelming. And in this case, you could see that even Haman's wife was aware that if Mordecai is a Jew, then surely you have come to an end. And the same thing with the story of Job. Satan was aware of the security behind Job. And he told God, have you not put an edge around you? And Job himself was not aware of his security detail. <laughs> I know many of us will go like, why doesn't God show us the angels that are with us so that we'll be confident enough? But the deal is that we walk by faith. And what is faith? The hearing of God's word, full reliance on God's word. So if God's word is that, if God be for us, who can be against us? Faith is fully relying on this word. If God's word is be of good cheer, for I have overcome. Faith is fully relying on this word. If God's word is, I have commanded my angels after you, lest your foot dash against a stone. Faith is fully relying on this word. If God's word is, God calls you his child. Faith is fully relying on God's word. And yet again, in the story of Esther, I like how the name God is not even mentioned in the book of Esther. It's as though God doesn't exist in the book of Esther. And it's 
it's somehow that's how our lives seem to go. Sometimes you may live in a normal life and you may be oblivious of the fact that does God really exist? Because as though you are just engaging yourself in certain religious activities, Monday to Friday, you go to work, Saturday, you go out or you do your cleaning or you watch soccer or you watch football, then Sunday, you just go to church. Little are we, we are not conscious of the operations of God behind the scene. And I love the book of Esther, the way it conceals God's identity. But clearly, you could see the working of God behind the scene. And this is how many of us our lives are. But we are waiting for that heavenly encounter. We are waiting to see that heavenly vision. We are waiting to have that prophetic word and prophetic word in, in quotes. We are waiting to have such dramatic experiences before we are confident. But God's word is crystal clear to us. If God is for you, who can be against you? So tonight, we just want to spend some time I want to just think about God's word to you. We are too timid as Christians. Look at the boldness of Mordecai. We are too timid. We are full of negativity. We have a disadvantaged mentality. It's simply because we don't know that in quotes, we have the Jewish origin. You just want to ask yourself, God, help me to believe your word. Father, help us to believe your word. Help us to believe your word that their lives are falling onto us in pleasant places. Help us to believe this way, that if you are for us, nothing can be against us. Help us to believe this way, that in all the changing scenes of life, we can never be disadvantaged. Help us to believe in this way, that through the seemingly delays and denials of life, help us to believe that if a door has been opened by you, nothing can close. Help us to believe this way that all the machinations and the schemes of men against your life is a futile venture. Help us to believe this word and to fully rely on this word. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. God bless us so much for being with us. And hopefully next week will be our last part one. Then the following week, we have a prayers on certain things we noticed and we learned from Esther. I pray for us all that you have the boldness of Mordecai and the wisdom and the favor of Esther. Remember to give God your very best and to make sure that the only thing you owe any man this week and beyond is love. See you next week and bye-bye.